golf is the four-day lottery, right? If, if, if you want to bet your Eagles in August to win the Super Bowl, right? You're going to wait seven months to get that money back. And the odds on them winning the Super Bowl are probably like 10 to 1. You know, I, I go back to March Madness from a couple weeks ago when FDU beat Purdue. If you bet them to win just that game prior to the start of the game, you could get 21 to 1 or plus 2,100. That same weekend at the Valspar, if you bet Taylor Moore to win the tournament, he was plus 7,000. You would have got 70 to 1. Welcome back to the Golfer's Journal podcast presented by Titleist, the number one ball in golf. My name's Tom Coyne. Thanks so much for joining us on this. The biggest week, the greatest week, the most, I don't know how many synonyms. It's the most wonderful week of the year. It's Masters week. It's finally here. Uh, And speaking of the Masters and Titleist, don't need to tell you which ball will probably be the most, well, it will be the most played ball at the Masters this year. And that'll be the Titleist Pro V1 or Pro V1X. Uh, defending champion Scotty Scheffler. He plays the Pro V1. And actually, all the majors last year were won by either the Pro V1 or Pro V1X. So I don't need to really, at least for me, I don't need to look at all the numbers and data and science to know. I just need to hear that and think, yeah, I need to have a, a Titleist in, in my bag. And, and you probably feel like you do as well. Speaking of Scotty Scheffler, that's a name that you're going to uh, to hear again if you do stick around to listen to my good friend Keith Stewart from readtheline.com. Uh, really appreciate Keith taking the time during this busy week to come on. I uh, hope you do listen because Keith's story of going from club pro to now being listened to or read by millions of golf fans every month, it's a pretty inspiring story. It's, it's quite a journey, and it's one that he shares with all the enthusiasm and passion uh, that got him to where he is today. So thank you to Keith. And there's also going to be some practical insights and information if you are of the wagering sort, uh, some suggestions on where you might invest this week in the Masters. Big announcement first, though, regarding the index experiment. You're familiar with the index experiment. We've been talking about it. Easy to sign up. Uh, all you have to do is be a Broken Tea Society member slash subscriber, uh, and, you, and you can be part of this project where folks are trying to lower their handicaps or qualify for something or improve their game in any which way that they're, uh, whatever their goals are for this year. Uh, we have this group commitment to work towards them. And as part of that, big thanks to BMW. One lucky index experiment participant is going to be winning a Corn Ferry Tour exemption. Seriously. An actual, a, the Corn Ferry Tour, the, like on TV, an exemption. This is an actual tournament that you're going to be playing. And so we're sending one member to play in the Corn Ferry Tour's BMW Charity Pro-Am at Thornblade Country Club in the Carolina Country Club in South Carolina this June. Uh, again, it's a legit pro event. You'll play practice rounds Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Get paired with a pro for Thursday and Friday for the tournament rounds. And should you and your pro finish in the top four of your flight, you'll stick around to play the weekend. So uh, this is insane. It's so incredibly cool. But to be entered, uh, make sure you're signed up for the index experiment, uh, which you can very easily do. Go over to golfersjournal.com. It's And it's definitely not too late. I mean, the golf season is... Where I'm from, at least, it's hardly even started at all. It really hasn't started. Uh, so it's a great time to jump in on the index experiment. Go to golfersjournal.com, log into your member account, and then enter the lottery for this experience using the link in the description. Have a great week, everyone, and good luck. It seems like an appropriate send-off given today's subject matter. 
So now to Keith Stewart, who's going to ask you to keep an open mind when it comes to Justin Rose and when it comes to prop bets. Remember that those pins on 16 can be very, very generous. Why are you sweating? What's happening? I don't, you don't appear to be physically sweating. Georgia Hall is two shots off the lead in L.A., and oh. uh, she, she was one of my uh, predictions earlier in the week to uh, win. And uh, we're just, you know, I had Kucher earlier today. Had to go through that sweat. And now I'm going through this one. So it's it's a tough life, Tom. The, the gambling sweat. Well, that's why you're here. To, I want to hear about this this life that you've created. And, and I want to hear about your sweats and how you can help us have maybe gentler sweats when yeah, it comes I'd... to this this uh this tournament on the horizon it's uh it's it's a bit it's a bit of fun i uh, i don't sweat too much it it is what it is you you try your best and let the cards let the cards you know be dealt as they'll be dealt it is indeed now it is what it is i do want to talk about the best ways i mean in speaking to you earlier you know you brought it to my attention that the masters is how does it rank in terms of events that are gambled upon in the United States. Two years ago, it was the fourth most bet professional sporting event in the country. There was the Super Bowl. There was the AFC and NFC championship games. And then there was the Masters. That's pretty so, impressive. I mean, it's, so outside of football, which would, of course, be the the uh, the leading gambling sport uh, just in our culture, sure. uh, you know, for golf to be – to be next uh for the masters to be next it's pretty interesting it's pretty amazing uh football is about a 40 percent market share for total handle right. and handle is gross dollars bet and uh we're about eight percent for golf and it's growing now um we'll probably get into this but to get just to give you an idea in 2022 that's about seven and a half billion dollars eight percent seven and a half billion dollars bet bees Bet on the Masters. No, no, no. For the year in golf. For the year. For the year in golf. Okay. For the year in golf. Um, a total number on the mat. I, I'm sure I couldn't get that. But um, just it's to give you an idea. Um, well, I considering lo I lost nearly that much, I feel like. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I think those numbers are good. Now I want to talk about how you got into this. I mean, yes, we are going to talk about you know some picks and favorites and the best ways to actually approach your your wagering if you choose to wager or, or uh, have a pool or something like that. Um, but I love to talk about on the podcast to talk about how people got into what they do in golf and how you got into this interesting niche. Uh, you know, our list, we have a lot of listeners who are in the golf space or want to get into the golf space. And uh, sometimes <laughs> they'll reach out and say, you know, uh, I want to do something golf, but I don't, I don't know what it is. And, and you've created this really interesting life for yourself in golf. Uh, how did that come about? I grew up as a bag rat, Tom. I don't, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Central Jersey, you know, I worked at a private club from the time I was 13, 14 years old. And I, I didn't know, I didn't know much more than just going to the golf course and working and caddying and, you know, scrubbing hooks and doing those sorts of things. That was just kind of the first thing that I bumped into in golf. Uh, I had a passion for golf. I had the same last name as one of the most stylish guys on the PGA tour of the of the late eighties. And that kind of attracted me to it. Uh, I enjoyed that. It was something I could go do on my own. And 
I built a career around that. And uh, after I graduated from Holy Cross, I, I moved forward and uh, uh, I spent 20 plus years as a club professional all up and down the Eastern Seaboard. And in that time, I learned a lot of things about how people interacted with the game. And about five, six years ago, I just felt like we needed to change the narrative around the way that we portray golf. And as a PGA professional, longtime PGA professional and an award-winning PGA professional, I, I took it upon myself to be a leader. But like it, at times I think about why did you choose stories? Like why did you choose to tell stories about golf, Tom? Yeah. You know, like where was your passion? My passion was inside the game. And I loved that the fact that it was a social game before it was a competitive game. And that was what always drove me as a golf professional and probably what made me fail as a player. I love the teaching aspect of it. And as I watched things develop, there was the tiger boom. I was there in the middle of it. I spent from 1998 to 2003. You can see behind me, I'm a huge tiger fan um, at Isleworth country club. And, you know, tiger was there at the time. I mean, it was, it was an amazing, amazing thing to be a part of, but I, I really started to understand what makes golf tick. And as my career progressed, I felt like the ceiling in that pro shop was very limited to how I could affect the game. And moving forward, 2018, Congress makes this, you know, repeals PASPA. In May of 2018, they say, hey, the states can decide whether or not we can bet. And then next thing you know, I'm involved in golf media. And I know that I have this niche and I have this ability to tell compelling arguments. And uh, as it turns out, with 15 wins and in a little over a year, um, we're doing the right things, you know. We're 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 getting people excited about the game like Top Golf does, and I guess the roundabout answer is I I took the road less taken, you know. I mean, uh, as another New Jersey writer put it, right? And uh, it's made all the difference, you know. I, at the end of the day, I, um, it's tough to answer that question for me because it's just like it's a journey. I've just been doing it, and I've really yeah. enjoyed every minute of it. Um, I I just enjoy. I just, I kind of always just look at things uh, in a very, very macro way, and then I, and then I kind of react and and adjust from there. And um, I mean, that's how we met. You know, I, yeah. I host a radio show on ESPN Radio, and I and I and I wanted to interview really interesting people, and then relate those people to a, to a larger golf audience. And and I, you got I, stuck I, with me. No, but you did no. go on to find those people eventually, and it no, was, I, and it's been it's been great. No, but. It, I mean, in summary, when you look at something like what you do to get people excited about golf or like a Lee Bransky or a Top Golf, I mean, millions of people are going through Top Golf or Pop Stroke or all those types of things. Mm -hmm. We really have to evaluate the way that we're trying to get people engaged in the game. And, you know, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not one of those people who's going to say, let's roll the ball back or do this or that or the other thing. Like, I am completely fast forward, innovative and everything. And I just felt like, the the way that you can feel on a Sunday afternoon when there's a sweat going on and you have one of the, the leaders, you actually feel like you're on that golf course and you feel like you're walking down those fairways. And when that person's walking up the 18th hole with a one-shot lead or they need a birdie or something like that, you're caught up in that. And that to me as a PGA professional is the essence of why we all play. And I'm just trying to connect that to more and more people. And, and, and that's how it all got started. I love that. So you, you think about golf, wagering, golf gambling, these sweats as a way to get more people 
into the game to maybe love the game the way that we love the game. Um, I hate the expression grow the game, but um, is a way to bring more people in. Now, do you think the do you think the tour and the governing bodies are looking at it the same way? I know that the tour is for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know that Greg Norman's not, and all due respect to him and his growth of the game initiatives, um, people aren't seeing this necessarily as powerful as it is. And they kind of they kind of ignored it with the Top Golf phenomenon at the same time too. I mean, you could see the millions of people that are still going through those turnstiles, yet there isn't a big green grass presence at those facilities. If you took seven friends to Top Golf and six of them never played golf before, two or three of them would be intrigued to play a hole of golf. Sure. You know that they would, right? Yeah. But but how do we get them from that building to a three hole golf course or something like that? You know, and I'm reaching out to a casual golf fan that'll probably watch the Masters this week and they'll get involved in it. And if they place a $5 wager, they join a pool or do something like that, they are that much uh, more likely to want to try to experience more about the game. And they'll be compelled to maybe go to a driving range or go to a top golf or just talk more about golf. And at, at the end of the day, that's my job as a PGA professional. My job is to get more people interested in the game. And I mentioned it earlier. I want to change the narrative around the stuffiness and everything else about it. And and that's why I do the things that I do. And um, I'm super passionate about it. But at the same time, I'm having tons of fun. And the people that follow me and that are interested in what I'm doing, they're having as much fun as I am. And it's really cool. Well, let's talk about what you are doing, right? So you're coming at this, you know, you're, you're talking about coming at this as a PGA professional not yes. as a Vegas tout, right? So, or a tout service, um, where it's, hey, call 1-800 and get my five picks kind of thing. Maybe that's your business model, I, but um, but your approach is that you're, you're coming to this as a golf person. Um, what is it that you, what? so what is your day-to-day job? What are you doing? I produce content for a number of different major sports platforms, media platforms, um, in and around the betting of golf on the professional level. So I do a couple of things that are unique. One, I cover the LPGA as much as the PGA Tour. So mm-hmm. every week that they play, I cover them, uh, you know, 48 weeks or whatever it was last year. And I cr- create written content and video content in and around um, who I think will win or what do I think the best angles are for different prop bets and head-to-head matchups. And then once the tournament starts, then I create content in and around in-play betting or live betting, which is r- really kind of captivating the whole betting crowd overall. And um, let's see, day-to-day, I-, I do a ton of writing, probably much like you do. Um, and then I talk to a lot of people. It's I-, I looked at the I looked at the spectrum of what was going on in the golf betting landscape. And, and all I do is is talk about golf betting. I'm a PGA professional. I stay in my lane. Um, if somebody DMs me or texts me or a friend, or you know, who do you think is going to win the national championship in the final four? I say, I don't know. Ask Jim Nance. You know, I, I, I don't know. But if you want to talk about the Masters, we could talk about the Masters. And I spend all of my time studying the golf course, looking at the architecture, um, looking at the grass, understanding why the golf course should be played a certain way. I mean, I taught the game for over 10,000 hours. So in a Gladwell sense, you know, I kind of know what it takes in order to coach someone in order to play a golf course and play it well. I I spend a lot of time out on tour. I've spent, I don't know, as we're 
recording this uh, five of the last seven weeks out on tour, watching the guys play. And I, I've seen one LPGA event so far. They've kind of only had a couple events this season and they were overseas. But I watch what's going on out there and I use my educated PGAI. The, the funny thing is, Tom, about this industry is that when I looked at it from side to side, on one end, there were a bunch of golf writers that did a very, very good job of portraying who they thought might win and telling good stories in and around that, but from a journalistic perspective. And on the other end, there was a bunch of, you know, bros with Excel spreadsheets in their mom's basement. And there was there was no one in the middle, and there was this huge white space, and there was no expert. There was no Brandel Chambly, mind you. You know, there was nobody mm -hmm. that wanted to come out and say, hey, I have an expertise in golf. I'm not afraid to say, hey, I think that uh, Tom Coyne's going to win the Masters. And if if you appreciate that, then subscribe to me and we'll keep doing that. If you don't, then just pass me along like anybody else on Twitter. And that's fine with me too. But but that's what I do week to week is that I provide a narrative around each men's and women's tournament of which we pick winners. We also pick the props, the placements, and, you know, we can define some of these things. And then, you know, and we do in-play betting and, and that's basically it. And a year after we got started, some of the major platforms in sports took a liking to what we were doing because we had a lot of success. In year one, we I predicted 12 wins on the PGA and the LPGA Tour, um, which is very, very good. You know, if you bet money with me, you would have, uh, let's say, just for round numbers, if you had bet $100 per outright that I selected over the entire 2022 year men's and women's tournaments, you would have cleared over $14,000. And that's a pretty good return in betting, you know. It's, it, people would be happy with that. And yeah, SI, I, I, SI, I'd be pretty happy with that. I noticed yeah. how you didn't give me any of those picks. Um, we should work on that relationship. <laughs> well, here. It, it's probably a Jersey Philly thing, but that's that's neither here nor there. I could use fourteen thousand dollars. But tell tell me about your method. I mean, so when you say I'm picking winners, mm -hmm. um, you know, you're not picking one. You're not just coming out and saying, "Okay, Rory's going to win this tournament," and then Rory wins. And how does it how does it work in terms of you have making picks? That's a great question. Um, a lot of different people that um, work in the golf betting space they 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 might pick a lot of people and spread their money across maybe six or seven people, or they might keep their money a little bit tighter and they would then go out and maybe pick three or four people. I, I average anywhere from three to four people per tournament that I think are going to win. And um, I will cover the full spectrum. I'll look at somebody that's on the favorites end. And if I think that that's a valuable bet, then we'll write about him or her. Mm -hmm. And then usually there's a lot of people in the middle, though. In the middle um, would be the odds that are in that, like, um, when you look at the money line, the plus 3,000 to plus 5,000 range, plus 2,500 to plus 5,000 range, which um, if folks are listening to this, they don't know what the money line is. It's that um, plus or minus number that you see. And it's basically like using metrics. You know, we're over here in America. We always said like 30 to 1 or 10 to 1 or something like that. It's the same thing. 10 to 1 is plus 1,000. You drop the two zeros on the end. And then if it's negative, then that person is a favorite and you're going you're gonna to get less the percentage of the bet. And uh, on the plus side, you're going to, let's say it's uh, plus 2,000 or uh, plus 200. Two to one is um, you bet 10, you get 20. And if it's minus 200, it's one to two. So you bet 10, you get five. So Yeah. So let's break that down for folks who might be curious or interested in betting, making a couple wagers um, on the Masters this 
this season and they this year and they've never done it before uh yeah the money line is basically it's based on a what a hundred dollar bet and this is what uh if you bet a hundred and it's a plus number that's what you'll be winning um and if it's a minus number that's what it will cost you to win a hundred dollars if i said that correctly you did uh let's just throw out though like don't scare people with the hundred dollar factor maybe they want to bet five dollars or ten dollars yeah i mean you can it's just the system's based off a hundred Yeah, the system's based off 100, right? So the system's can, based off you can for whatever reason or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. what are other things, you know, when you're looking at uh, DraftKings or, or whatever these sites, uh, when you go onto these gambling sites, um, they can be a little bit intimidating to someone who hasn't been there before. Uh, parlays, teasers, etc., cetera, whatnot. Uh, what kind of things should people pay attention to and uh, what can you demystify for them? I love that you bring that up because one of the main reasons I felt compelled to kind of build this niche business was that I always, I thought it was like, kind of like going up to the first tee. You know, someone gets nervous when they go up to the first tee to golf course. Right. Um, it seems like there's a bunch of local rules and there's nuances and unwritten stuff going on that you don't know until you do it a couple of times and you get very, very nervous. And it's the same way in betting. There seems like there's always like, you know, a lot of terminology or things that you don't know and it could be intimidating. And then, oh, how much do I have to put $100 in just to even start, you know, using my app or whatever? Um, I think what's most important is that when you break down the betting stratosphere, number one, Understand if you're in one of the 24 states that currently can bet, you know, that are legal. All right. And if you are in one of those states, then you need to start with one of the apps. And that might be a FanDuel or DraftKings or BetMGM. And you would go on there. And before we get into promos and them trying to buy you like a cellular customer or anything else that they're doing, um, when you go on, they're very, very intuitive to use. Um, they're just like your smartphone. It's you, you go on there, you'll be able to find the sport you're looking for. If it's golf, you'd go on and find golf. You would find the tournament you're looking for. And it will be very self-explanatory. It'd say, well, the odds are for Scotty Scheffler to win the Masters are X or for him to come in the top five or the top 10. And these things will, will be spelled out relatively simply. Um, they want people to be able to figure things out, Tom. They, they, and they do a good job of this and they're constantly improving their platforms and innovating them in such a way that they become less intimidating. So much like the first tee on a golf course that I've experienced and helped so many people to walk up to and just, they hit it and they go, wow, that wasn't that big a deal. Um, this isn't that big a deal either. Okay. Now, lest anyone think that we are pushing the the gambling, which some would certainly view as a vice and can certainly become an unhealthy situation for people, we should say, what is your advice on doing this responsibly? Or first of all, if you can't do it responsibly and, and do it in a recreational way, don't do it um, at all. Don't play with the rent money. Um, and, uh, I, I, you know, not every, you know, not every, you don't win every week. You know, there's, no. I, I'm sure there's a cautionary, could you share a cautionary tale uh, with our listeners here um, that there are, there are bad beats out there for sure. It's not, it's not all, uh, it's not all as glorious as we might make it sound. It, it is not, it is entertainment and it should be entertainment. And even if it's someone that feels like they're, oh, I, I, I'm very, very good at golf and I understand the game and everything, you will lose more than you will win. I lose more than I win. But I win enough to break even and then, and then some. 
And um, there, there have been plenty of times, uh, the day that we're recording this, um, you know, I had Matt Kuchar at the Valero. That didn't work out. I've got Georgia Hall tonight that I'm hoping that she works out out there in LA at the DO implant. And uh, if she doesn't, it's it, it. people always say, do you get nervous? Do you worry about these things? I said, once the bet is made, there's nothing I can do except enjoy it for what it is. So I would say if you're doing it in a manner with which it becomes more than entertainment and, you know, the good thing too, Tom, about the current state of affairs with it all being digital is that you can only put the money in that you can bet. There are no more, you know, Tony Soprano bookies over here in New Jersey that are, you know, right. that are going to, you know, let me ride, you know, 5K ahead or anything like that. Or um, so you you start to create a situation where if you put $100 in and you try to create, I tell people all the time, create a budget for what you want to do. How long do you want that $100 to last? So if you want it to use $100 for the Masters this week, well, why not make $25 bets? Because that will be a lot more entertaining to you than saying, okay, Rory's winning. Here's my $100 and I'm done. Rory misses the cut and now you feel like, you know, you got a bad taste in your mouth. Do it as a form of entertainment. I mean, that's what I do. It, it, golf can be so exciting as a wagering sport. And there's a couple reasons why that set it apart from all the other sports that are out there, right? Any other professional sport, none of them have the four things that make golf so much fun. And now, and now you'll get me going because this is why I built what I built. Because yeah. when, pe when people realize this, Tom, when they realize how much fun it is to gamble on golf and you can't get the same experience with football, you can't get the same experience with basketball and, and certainly not baseball or something like that. Number one, golf is the four-day lottery, right? If, if, if you want to bet your Eagles in August to win the Super Bowl, Right, mm -hmm. you're going to wait seven months to get that money back, and the odds on them winning the Super Bowl are probably like ten to one. You know, I, I go back to March Madness from a couple weeks ago when FDU beat Purdue as a 16-1 seed. They did something that was happened what twice in the history of the tournament. Yeah. Twice, if you bet them to win just that game prior to the start of the game, you could get twenty-one to one or plus twenty-one hundred. For a 16 seed to do something that had been done only once in history, that same weekend at the Valspar, if you bet Taylor Moore to win the tournament, he was plus 7,000. You would have got 70 to 1. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, that's a lot more fun. So I call it the four-day lottery because you don't have to wait a long time. You you bet Taylor Moore and a couple other guys because you think that they're going to do something good or, or someone like myself, an expert, will sit there and say, hey, Tom, I recommend these couple guys. Right, I had Luke List at the Farmers last year at ninety to one. I mean, that's a fun, fun thing to do, and it doesn't happen all the time. It happened once in a year, but you know what? That's a lot of fun to do, ninety to one, and that only happens in golf, and you get paid in four days, not seven months or something. You know, yeah. golf has more golf has more prop bets than any other sport. There's a hundred and something players in play over eighteen holes. You can bet everything, matchups, top tens, top twenties, right? People love to bet in play these days. They love to live bet, Tom, right? Yeah, explain so, that. So for number so as once the tournament starts or the game starts or anything like that, it's considered in play. So many so many more people are enjoying while watching the game putting a wager on it. You know, will the Patriots score on this drive? Um, you know, what will the what will the the halftime spread be in in the Sixers game? You know, so the unique thing about golf is that the Super Bowl, if you want to bet it live, it's four hours long. A golf tournament's four days. 
you have all this time to get in the action and still live your life. It doesn't have to like take over your day in order to bet a game or something like that. And the last one is golfers bet. The fourth thing is, is that golfers bet. It's part of the fabric of the game. Everyone that listens to this is a huge fan of golf. They didn't find the golfer's journal because, you know, they were on the periphery of the sport. They didn't, they didn't become a, a member of the Broken Tea Society. They became a member of that because they grew up on the things that you and I did about the essence of the game, like you did at Rolling Green and like I did at Metouching Golf and Country Club working in the bag room, right? And when we watch golf, we actually play it. And when we play it, we bet on it. So it, it's, it's really part of the essence of the game in so many ways. And it's fun to do when you're sitting in front of the TV, even if it's just you and I, like, hey, do you think Royal Birdie this hole? Well, you can now just do that in such a manner that, you know, makes it a lot easier and it's, it's, it's digital. So you take those four things and golf gets really exciting. And, and that's why I built this business. And that's why as a PGA pro, I felt like, man, I got a pretty, a pretty good way to get millions of people excited about the game in a totally, totally different way than what we've seen for a hundred years. Now you've talked about some of the picks you've made. How'd you make them? Give us your method. Give us, please give us all your secrets. <laughs> um, I do it from, uh, as you would expect, from a PGA professional's perspective, right? So I look at the golf course. I look at the, who's the architect? You know, how many dog legs are there? How many bunkers are there? What kind of oh. grass are they using? The agronomy of the golf course, right? Whereas a lot of um, golf touts will just look right at the statistical numbers and they'll say, well, uh, this week we know iron game is important at Augusta National. It's a second shot golf course. So what is their strokes gained approach? Okay, well, right. um, how about the fact that, you know, Augusta National is one of the most even uneven properties to play golf on, in, you know, on the PGA Tour, right? There's not a level lie on the whole place. And not only that, they're all tight. Right. So it's not just a matter of is a guy a good iron player? Are they a good long iron player? It's 7,500 yards plus. And there are ways when I go out on tour and I look at everybody and I go, man, you got to hit the ball high to play well at Augusta National. Look at the people who have won there over the course. You know, the guys that have the most success there Phil, Tiger, Jack, you know, they are all high ball hitters. Scotty, high ball hitter. You know, Rory's very successful there, high ball hitter. Rom, same thing. These guys hit moon balls. So like little things like that. I want to know what's going on in your game. If I was coaching you, Tom, how you would do well, that's where the list starts. Then from there, I look at horses for courses. Again, I look at their personal history. Augusta National is the most predictive course on the PGA Tour. Listen to the words I just said. It is the most predictive course on the PGA Tour. And you say, well, how could that be? How could well, that be? Well, it's because we play the same course, the same time of year, and it's almost always the same players. 52 of the 88 that play that are playing this year played last year. Yeah. So it's the best in the world under the best conditions, under the same kind of conditions with the ultimate amount of pressure. So if your game doesn't suit that place and you're not good around the green like a Victor Hovland or a Colin Morikawa, you have to have an exceptional week to win. Whereas... If you're somebody like a Cam Smith, who's a great iron player, great around the greens, or a Scotty Scheffler, or a Tiger Woods, something like that in his prime, you could see why it fits so well. And you just keep going back to the same place. It becomes very, very predictive. And as I go through my process, I look at those horses for courses. Then I will go to the statistics and say, does my eye match up with my notes when I go out on the road and I look at all these different players on the range? 
Do my notes match up with the numbers? Is John Rahm really struggling off the tee? Is he gaining more strokes with the putter than he is with with his driver right now? Because he is going into Augusta, right? I look at those things. I compare those. And then the last thing I do is look at the odds. Because the odds are like sucker pins, Todd. You know, you if you go... If you go and look at the odds board first, that's what the bookie wants you to do. That's what DraftKings wants you to do because they're going to skew you a certain way, hmm. right? Don't look at the, you know, don't look at the odds board first. I look at it last and then that confirms for me why certain people have certain odds in certain places. And then from there I'll come up with three or four people that I feel like have a good chance to win and over the course of the last 13 months, we've done we've done that 15 times. Now, how are how are the betting houses? How are they influencing you via odds? What do you mean that they are uh, trying to push you towards certain players? Trying to how does that work? Absolutely, they can tell a story with the odds. You know, I, the easy one to point out this week is Tiger. You know, they're they're going to make Tiger um, uh, a very enviable bet because people want to bet him already, but. Right. What, what are really the chances of Tiger winning? They aren't very good at all. And I'm a huge Tiger fan. Don't get me wrong, but they're not very good. Sure. So if they make if they put his odds at a number that's high enough that everyone and everyone just feels like, wow, if, if Tiger had a, a magical week, which he did in 2019, we could do X, right? Or sure. what they will do is over the course of the week, you will see the odds start to move on certain people because they're getting a certain amount of action. Let's say uh, the number starts too high on Xander. Let's say it comes out at like 35 to one and, you know, everyone keeps like, oh my God, you know, Xander's guy in his last uh, four masters, he's got two top fives. So it's like, boom, we got to hit this guy, you know, like, so everyone starts to hit him and they start to, that number is going to start to dive really, really quick. And then people are going to get off of him and then they're going to push somebody else's number up. So somebody goes up or they go after, so the momentum of the board goes over those people and then it, you know, and so on and so forth. So they can... They can really create targets on the board based upon sentiment. You know, I mean, a huge one's going to be um, Sunday afternoon, Brooks won live, right? So Brooks has always been a good major player. They're going to make Monday morning Brooks's number for Masters Week. They're going to make it very attractive. And people are going to be all over Brooks. And that's how they catch your attention. And I just avoid those numbers and I would rather just look at it as if I was a coach and a player. If I was playing the event professionally, what would I need to do? And then I don't have those skills, but who does? And then I'm going to take those people and I'm going to compare them, confirm that they have those skills right now in their last 36 to 40 rounds in tournament play. And then then we'll come up with a short list. Now, in doing that research, you actually go out and look at players. You go to driving ranges. What, what are you? What kind of feedback are you getting? I mean, I go watch pros hit balls, and I just go, "Wow, they're so, so much better than me." Um, you know, what are you? Uh, what What are the things you're picking up on? Well, uh, I'm fortunate um, as a credentialed member of the media. I get to go to the different events, so I have access to stand on the range and just watch. Now, I can't talk to any of them. Sure. I mean, there's an integrity policy there, right? So I can't talk to anybody. I can't. I'm, I sit in the press room, but I can't ask any questions. Tom, how are you playing this week? I cannot ask that question, right? Um, to be fair to all of them and to make sure that they um, compete with the utmost integrity, I just I sit there, I observe, and I make in, and I make notes, and I make an endless amount of notes. But there's an easy way for me to tell if someone's working on the range or if they're really working. So is it working? 
You know, if, even if I watch you hit a couple of balls, Tom, and I'm not familiar with your game, but I know you're a good player. If you're comfortable just hitting the ball and it's reliably going where you're looking and where you're set up, and I know all of those principles from my PGA training over a couple decades, right? Then I know, okay, this guy is someone we need to pay attention to. He's playing well. If he's if someone's grinding with their coach, or um, I love going to the range at sunset because there's always two or three guys out there and they are working as hard as they can. And those are guys that we're going to give them a couple weeks to kind of catch up and uh, let them figure things out. So you could definitely, with an educated eye, I feel like you can see, and it's been proven in my process because we always contend. You know, you can't win all the time, but if your guys are always, if those four guys are always making the cut and they're always near the top 20, they're just a couple shots away, a couple breaks away from a win, then you know that the, the process is proven. And it, it's been working now for, a, you know, almost two years and we just keep winning. So it's been great. Like you said, not winning every time, but winning enough. Yes. Uh, no one's going to win every time. No. no. What's the What's the best bet you've made? Ooh. Not in a metaphorical sense, like a literal yeah. bet. I would say, you know, on myself doing this because it's been great. But um, <laughs> I listed one. Um, I listed one. Luke List at the Farmers when he beat Will Zalatoris in a playoff was um, pre-tournament. Uh, plus 9,000. Um, the one I'm most proud of was Marina Alex, because she's from New Jersey and I'm from New Jersey. She won the uh, Palos Verdes uh, championship last year on the LPGA Tour late April. And she was also 90 to 1 or plus 9,000. And she took down Jin Young Ko, who at the time was the number one woman player in the world. And um, I had so many people reach out to me afterwards on social media or just that were friends that text me or people that sent me emails through readtheline.com just to say, I was watching the LPGA on the edge of my seat. Thank you so much for covering them. This was so exciting. I can't believe I just won, you know, $900 on a $10 bet on Marina Alex. I just, I cannot like, and people to this day are still just, they're 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 absolutely smitten with the idea that you can bet on the men or the women and have an equal amount of fun and just get get just get so invested in it on a Sunday afternoon and just and enjoy golf. Um, no one ever thinks golf's boring anymore when you have five dollars on the line. It's just it's just so much fun, Tom. It's it we are change. I'm changing the way people see the game and they interact with it. Right, even the coverage when I'm out there in. The, you know, in the media center, they're like, Keith, what are you looking at or whatever? I said, well, I, I don't look at golf like they do on the golf channel. I mean, the average TV viewer is 64 years old. That's our parents, Tom, you know, and then some, right? The average sports mobile better is 37. Who do you want to engage with? Who do you want to write for, right? It's at the end of the day, it's just so exciting to get the younger generation to love the game and embrace the game in a way like you and I were raised with. And the world's different now. So I'm just rolling with the punches and, and getting people. It's, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. Keith, I want to write for everybody. Just putting it out there. All, <laughs> I, all I ages. Know. We do. I know. <laughs> I know. We, want, I we know. want all ages to come to the podcast and the Golfer's Journal. But no, that's a point well taken uh, for sure. And I think that that's one of the things that I appreciate most about what you do is the time that you dedicate to the women's game. Um, and I think that that has to, uh, I, I think that's probably a competitive advantage for you. Um, you know, they talk about whether it's bookmakers or, or 
or touts looking at, oh, I specialize in the Patriot League, or, or, or I look at teams that no one else looks at. You know, you hear about mm -hmm. that. Um, and not a lot of people are looking at the LPGA from a gambling point of view. So um, props to you for doing that. And it's probably um, advantageous because you probably are know more about it than the bookmakers themselves. Not only that, but from the standpoint of my company, Read the Line, the LPGA reached out to me and they hired me to, to write for them. So I create content for them. And that well, led to relationships with the PGA Tour. And now I write for them too. So, you know, it's not just Sports Illustrated and the sporting news. And, you know, I also write for PGA.com um, and Read the Line. But now I have the two major tours that I cover, um, you know, embracing my content. And that's coming from a golf professional. It's not coming from. It's very cool. Um, it's it's just. Um, I'm humbled and excited at the same time. I don't I don't really have the words for it. I no, mean, it's it's it's. I'm so I am happy for it. I think it's taken your career's taken a really cool turn, and uh, and it is exciting, and and it's an exciting. You know, it's a huge growth area for golf, no doubt about it. Why isn't live? jumping all over trying to jump all over this they seem like they could use all the i'm not going to say all the help they could get but i mean it, it, they could use a hand to, to generate interest um and you said greg norman's not into it what's going on there well they would have to do certain things not i, I won't go deep in the weeds but there are um infrastructure infrastructures or logistics put behind the scenes that the information that comes from the golf course goes to a company that verifies the data that it's accurate and true. And then it goes from there out to your DraftKings and FanDuels, right? Okay. And um, in order to have the, the FanDuels of the world create betting boards on your events, you have to go through that process. And Liv has up to date or up to this point has ignored that process. So um, it's only legal, I think, in three states with one of the books. So there's just, there's very little interest there. And, and to be quite honest, the fields are such that they don't promote. You yeah, know, that's true. I mean, you know, so I'm going to go bet DJ to win at three to one against uh, 47 other guys of which right. 40 don't matter, but the other seven do. And if DJ was in, you know, when you see him this week at the masters, he might be 30 to one. And uh, I like 30 to one more than I like three to one for basically the same um, opportunity. Let's That's say. a good, good point for sure. We should talk about if folks have been listening, hanging on for to talk about the masters and uh, where, what, what's the, what is the best way? Uh, what's the best way to bet the masters? Is it to pick straight out, pick the winners? Is it, um, is it to pick top twenties? Is it to pick in groups? What do you think? The first thing I'm always going to say is pick a budget because real quickly, let's say you put that hundred dollars into DraftKings and then you start like making $20 bets. You made five bets and you're like, wow, I didn't even, all I did was pick five winners. Right. So right. I think it's great that, you know, maybe you just get a post it and you write down the, all right, I'm going to spend a hundred dollars betting on the masters and I'm going to make $25 bets and uh, I'm going to pick three or four winners. I can go online and I can see who Keith picks or I can, um, I could follow some of my other pundits out there. Could be, you know, one of the other um, golf media companies or or sports organizations or whatever. And then after that, look at the betting boards for the different fun props, and try to look for angles where you think that 
certain things may or may not happen. So they will put up head-to-head matchups. And there might be a guy out there that doesn't look like he's playing all that well, and they'll put him up against another guy. Or it might be a live player versus a PGA Tour player, who statistically right now, who's being tested more. So if they were to put up um, Scotty versus Cam Smith, I like Scotty's chances right? Versus Cam Smith. The odds may reflect that, but you know, you want to pick a couple head-to-heads that are going to last the entire tournament. You want to pick a couple winners. You want to look at the placement board, which is your top fives, top tens, top twenties. And you want to pick one. So if I said, I thought Scotty Scheffler was going to win, well, Keith, then I want to bet him top five, top 10, top 20, top 40s. Well, you could do that. Technically he would be, he would win all of those bets, but the book's not going to make that worth your while. So you have to find the one placement for your guy. You know, look at a guy like Corey Connors. He top 10s at Augusta all the time, right? Um, His top 10 number will be probably very advantageous. He just won. His top 20 number will not be as advantageous because he's more likely to top 20. And you want to find that threshold and get a couple of golfers in there. And then Mm -hmm. maybe maybe one or two fun prop bets, you know? Um, Will a live player win? And the odds are according to that. Will Tiger make the cut? I don't know. He's had, uh, what, 22 professional runs at Augusta and never missed the cut. The highest he's ever finished is 47th, and that was last year, and he's never finished outside the top 40 in any of the prior 21. So maybe Tiger makes the cut. You know, it's, you know, stuff like that. Do things that you genuinely would be interested in following. Don't just bet things for the sake of betting them. Also look for opportunities of people that you might want to cheer for. Again, this is entertainment, Tom. And then... Stick to your budget. Now you've you've hinted there at some, maybe some things to look at. Uh, let's dig down on on maybe where specifically you'd like to put a couple dollars on a prop bet or on players. What are the players that you're looking at closely to win? Um, I mean, it's it's not really sexy, but it's Scotty's world, and we're all just watching. At this point, um, his odds are not very good. He would be the type of person that I would watch all week until Wednesday. And hopefully with the the Rory story and Rom's three wins that for some reason, Scotty always seems to get forgotten, even though his worst finish all year is 12th and he's played like seven times. He's got two wins, you know, like five top tens. It's unbelievable. But he um, he'll he might jump to a 10 to 11 to one. And when he does, if he can get to double digits, then he's an OK bet. Um, in that mid range where a lot of the winners tend to come from at Augusta national. Now that mid range, I'm going to say that's between plus 2000 and plus 4,000. That's where your guys like last year, like a Shane Lowry finishes tied third, somebody like that, where, you know, his, his odds to start the week were in the mid fours. And then you're like, wow, okay. Now 45 to one. And he was third, you know, that, that was a really good chance at a win. So I like guys like, uh, you know, Jay day has had a great Q one. He would be the type of guy. Australians have, have historically played well at Augusta National. They have won there. Uh, Jay Day hits the ball high with his irons. Great short game. Great bunker player. There's 47 bunkers there. 32 are greenside. So, you know, you're going to have to get up and down from a bunker sooner or later. He's good putting inside 10 feet. Um, Tony Finau. You know, a lot of people are making a big deal about Rom with his three wins, Scotty with his two wins. But there are a few people on tour that hit the ball better in the last year and have three wins than Tony Finau. He's a great one. And further down the board, there's one guy that um, 
I feel like would have an opportunity to do well there. And his name's Justin Rose. Now, Justin is in that plus 70, plus 80, and that's about all mm-hmm. I would consider to be a long shot that would have a chance of winning there. Um, I mean, even when, like, Danny Willett won, he was he was 50 to 1, Tom. So, yeah. you know, like, at the end of the day, if you look at the last 10 winners, their average pre-tournament odds was plus 2,700. So, you know, for the most part, we're looking for somebody between plus 1,000 and, and plus 3,000 in order yeah. to win. And, um, you know, a couple of those earlier guys fall in that range. But Rose could do it. He's been a first-round leader there four different times, most recently in 2021. So he can get it going. He, he probably he should have beat Sergio. He shouldn't have been in a playoff with Sergio in 2017. And then, you know, he had, him, he had Sergio in the playoffs. So uh, I, I do like him. He's had a win already this year. He's another guy that knows the golf course very well. He's made a lot of cuts there. Um, but there's four names to win that I love. I, I love Tiger to make the cut just because he always does. He knows the golf course better than anybody that's going to play that's actively out there. So um, I'm not really caught up in the Rory thing. He's had nine times for the career Grand Slam there, and it seems like the pressure gets to him a little bit. You're breaking um, my heart on that one, Keith. I've already made – it's too late. I made a large investment um, in the in the Rory fund. So Tom, I'm, I'm wrong more than I'm right. <sighs> Just ask my wife, okay? But I'm wrong all the, all the time when it comes to this stuff so no you're not no you're not um no but i like yeah like you say for me it's entertainment and i'm betting with my heart and uh and it's just you know that's who i'm going to be pulling for so so that's who that's who i'm i'm putting my uh my dollars down on now those are all those are really helpful and useful picks uh some folks in states that aren't able to use the apps or whatever uh maybe they're in a master's pool uh, and a lot of those pools would, uh, well, sometimes it's just a blind draw. You get $20, you get a player or something, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I used to play in one, you know, there are a lot where it's pick a, from the top 10, these players, mm-hmm. group A, group B, group C, and then the field or whatever. So in those kinds of pools, if you can pick a really long shot that somehow makes the cut, um, you know, that can make, that'll make the difference for you. Are there any just like long shots out there that you're thinking, okay, this would be someone that um, you think could make the cut and and would be useful not to, not to win the masters, but would be good in a pool. Keep in mind, it's a long shot, right? Yeah. When you look at that, that grouping of people, that C flight that you get presented with, whoever it is, the listener, you yourself, broken T society member, when they look at that pool of people, just go to PGA tour.com. Just see who is great around the green. I know it's going to sound like blasphemy, but you don't need to be a good putter to win at Augusta National. But statistically, it is the hardest golf course around the green on the PGA Tour. So, and and you kind of not, you kind of, you kind of motioned there when I said you don't have to be a great putter to win there. You don't. Look at Will Zalatoris. Look at Hideki. Look at Adam Scott. Look at the guys that have won there or done well there. The greens are so slopey that everyone's on a defensive. So yeah. you, you can't three-putt a lot, but you don't make a lot of 20-footers unless maybe you're Jordan Spieth, right? So at, at the end of the day, it's it's really the chipping and the pitching. So your Colin Morikawas, your Victor Hodlins and those guys, or further down the board, guys that are really good with their short game that you're talking about, that their odds are probably higher, that are triple digits like a Billy Horschel, that's the kind of guy that you're looking for in that C flight. The guy mm-hmm. that has decent history there first, and then you would say, okay, does this guy have a good short game? Because at the end of the day, 
they're going to need it there. It's 7,500 yards. It, they're going to need to be able to get up and down from those crazy lies around the green. And uh, that will be that will be at that level of player in the field. That will be the biggest differentiator for sure. Okay. Pools. And then, of course, we've talked about a couple prop bets, uh, making the cut, etc. Then there's always the... Uh, Will the score winning score be plus or minus? Uh, will there be will there be a hole in one, Keith? Tell me, do you like that hole in one bet that they throw out there? I do like the hole in one bet at Augusta National because of two of the days they put the pin on sixteen yeah. in a hole in one spot, and you're talking about you know fifty of the best golfers in the world that are going to go through there with a chance to hit it um, that have hit that shot before. So that to me is the thing. It's almost like they're hitting it for the second time. So yeah. if if I put a pin on your favorite green at Rolling Green on a par three that's in a valley that you've hit a million times and I say, okay, let's go out there and let's do a fun like uh, piece of content where I'm going to give you 500 shots to make a hole in one. I bet you'd do it. And I bet you'd do it sooner than we think hmm. because you have that feeling. So that's one of those places when it's constantly a changing field on the PGA tour and we're going to different sites all the time. I'm not a big hole in one guy whatsoever. Um, yeah. I'm more like, you know, balls in the water on 17 type of guy on the over, you know, type of, at Sawgrass. But um, overall, if you're going to the same place all the time with the best players in the world and they're comfortable over that shot, then someone's going to make it. And yeah. over the last couple of years, you've seen them do it. They just keep doing it and doing it, if not multiple times. So Any other prop bets jumping out at you? I would stay away from the live players. You know, there's going to be yeah. a lot of, there's going to be a lot of action on the live players and there's no way. So I, I'm purely saying that from an expert's point of view, I don't want to touch those bets because I have no idea what they've been doing. They, I have no way to measure um, right. how well they've been playing. I mean, they played a golf course that someone might say, oh, well, they had the finals at Q School there a couple of years ago outside of Orlando. And like, that was the type of golf course we used to go when we worked at Isleworth to go play so we could drink a beer a hole. You know, like it's it's not a great golf course. And yes, Brooks won. And um, I think Patrick Reed was in the top five, DJ in the top 10, but that's not a test. That's not, knew, that's not getting you ready. I knew none of that, what you just told me. I had no idea any of that happened. So, well- <laughs> But you asked me what I do well, all week, Brooks won. right? Well, he did, yeah. Well, but no, I'm but just nobody, nobody, the problem Liv is having getting their. their, their well, nobody cares. That, that was all news to me. Yeah, it's but um, I, I, I those are trap bets right now. Okay, you know the idea that Brooks won that and that he can roll right into Augusta and and be prepared for for a place like Augusta National under major championship conditions seems to me like a bit of a stretch. Might sure. be some value on the missed cut side, if you know what I'm talking about. Yes, 100%. I like to be that guy sometimes. He like plays the no Ooh. pass line. Oh, at the craps and, table, and you're I, that yeah, guy. I, I like to bet the missed cut guys. You know, um, man, just because go golf has scarred me. Let's be honest. Um, I mean, I, like I me, like it scarred today. me. Yeah, it scarred, you know? it scarred us all. But here, but nonetheless, we we carry on and we carry on in different ways. So I asked you before True. about the best bet you've made. Um, I do want I want to ask you about your worst bet because again. I don't want this discussion to come off as, you know, hey, uh, gambling is for you and get out there and Worst get bet. your gamble on. Um, it is certainly, it can certainly be a form of entertainment. Um, it's not a good form of entertainment for everybody. Um, and maybe you can tell us about a bad beat or a worst bet uh, to remind us, be cautious, everybody. Well, 
yeah, I I think it's great that you keep uh, emphasizing the point that this is entertainment for people. Yes, it's a business for me, but at the same time, I approach it the way I've approached my entire golf career, which is there's a lot of unknowns in golf, you know, and it's a, it's a very, very hard and difficult game and it puts people under the microscope. Um, there are times where uh, you, you wager on somebody and it just doesn't work out. Like um, we had Scotty on his first win at waste management and he won in a playoff and it's like, well, this is great and everything. Uh -huh. And then you might turn around and you, you might have Cam Young at 80 to one at the PGA and with two holes to go, he makes double bogey. And, you know, you're, you're thinking to yourself, geez, that, uh, that could have, that could have really worked out a lot better. Um, and that hurts a lot. Um, you could, you could be someone that, um, I had a, I had a very good friend who was, who was all over Will Zalatoris last year at the U S open. And obviously he came close and, uh, that didn't work out, but overall, um, there are more bad beats than there are wins, Tom. Mm -hmm. And um, the the Cam Young one hurts because Cam is local to the Met area, and I'm a big fan of Cam's. And I was on his train early on. Um, had him at had him at places like Riv, and 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 uh, was really really thought he would be a good fit at Southern Hills, and uh, we got so very very close. Um, it probably didn't hurt as much as a Mito Pereira bet, but um, it still hurt none the same. So I, I mean, um, did you have Mito? I did not. No, because no. you don't you don't come back from that. Um, he 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 won't come back from that. I mean, what did I, he what did he go off at that week? That week, I mean, that must have been ten thousand. I mean, max 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 odds, right? No, well, I mean, max in a, in a mate. Well, relatively speaking, I don't remember off the top of my head, but if I had to guess, he would have been in the high double digits. Yeah. Because Mito, Mito is a solid player on the Corn Ferry Tour, and he I had had, I, yeah. In fairness, he had, to Mito, had he had, had he was accomplished to that point, but he yeah. was not uh, a favorite going to that week. We should say, you know, I, uh, case in point, you know, I go back to the Valspar a couple a couple of weeks ago, and the top three going into Sunday were Adam Shank, Tommy Fleetwood, and Jordan Spieth. And it was Sunday and Shank had a lead and he was still plus odds to win, which, right. you know, at that point, if it was Jordan in first, Jordan would have probably been like minus 500 to win. You know, he would not, he would have been the extreme favorite and you would not have made money off of him being in first place with right. 18 holes to go. So um, you have to pay attention to those things. And uh, it's, um, it's, it's all part of the fun. I mean, it's, it's like, it's like learning something about the game that maybe you didn't know before. So it, for some people, that's architecture. And for some people, that might be agronomy in the grass. But if you're not into either one of those two things, come follow me because I'll tell you stories about each tournament. And you and you could be in a state, you could be a broken tea society member in a state where you cannot bet. And that is fine. And I don't care if you're in a pool or not. But if you read just the free version of my newsletter, there's a narrative every week. I love to tell stories like you do, Tom, right? I love it. And it's... If you just read that, you'll learn more about that week's tournament that'll help you appreciate it more when you're watching it on TV. And it'll, I'll point things out and you'll go, wow, that's kind of cool that that, that that fairway works like that or, or um, the bunkers have this kind of sand or, or those types of fun things. And you'll, you'll get more out of the game. And, and that's what I mean by getting more people engaged in what we're doing. Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a golf geek, right? I'm a PGA pro. You know, yeah, I, I took off the blue blazer and I put on a jacket and, and I'm telling my story is a little more fun. But at the same time, I, I mean, 
I am who I am. You are who you are. And you're doing and and I'm glad that, that you're doing so well, Keith. Um and I'm glad that you're having fun as well. Can we have some fun? I'm I'm already having fun, but I want to have fun with you before we let you go. Um put I want to put you on the spot, which is fun. Oh boy. And and ask you to right. I'm gonna propose some wagers to you. And I'm gonna oh. see and see where you go with them. Okay. <laughs> All okay. right. So I'm sure. going to give this. This one's going to be even money. Okay. Uh, will golf bifurcate uh, on the golf ball? Even money. Yes or no. Which box are you checking? No. Ooh, no. No. All right. No. Okay. Will live over under. Two and a half years on Liv's existence. From last year or from now? Okay, let's see. Can, well, let's say from to, let's say from today. Gives you an idea where I'm leaning. <laughs> two and a half years, uh, right after this. Oh no, you got to include this season. I, I'm I, taking. Who even knows what season they're in. I, I, Tom, I'm taking the under either way. <laughs> um, it's uh, um, they're not disruptors. They're not innovators. They that they, they are doing basically the same thing that uh, you probably play in like 10 times a year. They call them a three-day member guest and uh, you know, hopefully... no, mine, we have a cut in ours. So, Oh, you do. It's, it's different. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And my club yeah. championship has a cut. So yeah. Cam Smith, he finished T26 today, but he won closest to the pin on the 13th hole. So he's good. <laughs> he's good. I mean, honestly, come on. I'm a golf professional. I, I mean, know. what I are know. they doing? What are you I doing? Know. Come on. I know. You know, I know. Stop. I know. Stop. Just stop. A tradition unlike any other uh, will be uttered. I'm going to put that over under at 12 and a half. Um, do you have uh, Do you have a take on that? By just one person, or just <laughs> how many times it happens no, by, all week? By, by Jim Nance. Ooh. So he's only Saturday and Sunday, and the TV window at Augusta National is what, like seven minutes? Oh, I didn't each expect day. you to have all that scoop. So uh, no, I'm just joking. Um, no, I'm going to no. say. Uh, I'm gonna say under on that. Yeah, that was a bad. I threw out a bad line. That seems high. It seems does. High. It's way. If you too drop high. that down to like four, four yeah. and a half, because you know he's gonna one. say it at the opening, and then you just wonder is he gonna find other ways to work it in, um, and and which would just be totally gratuitous, but would be fun nonetheless yeah. to hear him do it. Um, I was gonna say, does he open with hello friends? Of course he will. Uh, over under on the number of free sandwiches that I'm going to eat in the media center. Uh, I know. So for full, I'll be there from Tuesday to Saturday. Um, there's a, there's a like a grab and go section there where you have mm-hmm. all the sandwiches um, and they're free and uh, they don't care if you take them with you. Uh, maybe even stuff your bag with, well, they probably would care, but I never asked anyone like if you fill your bag with them, if you know, perhaps you wanted to have, sandwich dinner um so what 18 and a half is my uh over under on on me i need to ask sandwiches i need to ask a research question have you yeah. been since they have the new um media center across the road oh yeah yeah okay so that mm-hmm. number is based upon a previous trip then uh oh yeah no for sure no I've, okay I've, then i'm gonna I've torn I'll... into this sucker Okay, I'll take the over then because for the for those yeah. listening at home, the walk from the media center now to the golf course is like triple what it was. 
Yeah, and, you uh, kind of you're going to need a lot of sustenance. So I'm going to go over on that one. <laughs> I think that that's kind of where I would lean, um, especially yeah. with the like. Uh, last year I stayed in Columbia. Uh, it was the closest hotel room I could get, so it was okay. like it was a two sandwich drive, you know, on the way home. I didn't even think uh, about that. And it was just like, yeah, I mean, there's so many sandwiches. Um, will I buy a master's gnome? Yes or no? Now you yes. need to know something. Yes. Okay. You got, yes. That's just correct. Um, <laughs> will my souvenir spend overall, do you think be, uh, over the over under on my, uh, on my souvenirs total spend $350 for just you? Yeah. Just, well, what I'm going to spend. I mean, I don't plan for, for friends and family and people. You don't, I don't know. Have, I have family. I don't have any friends. Um, most people don't know this, but it's somewhat reasonable or it's retail there. So they don't, they don't really try to, um, uh, raise prices just cause it's the masters. They don't have to. Uh, so I'm going to go with, but I'm still going to go with over because oh. I feel like there's something emotional is going to happen this week and you're going to get caught up in it and you're, you're going to, you're going to get above it and that won't count the freight number just to ship it all home. So it, uh, you're going to get over three fifty. That's a good it. point. Because there's, I, yeah, I didn't figure in the FedEx or, or is it UPS the the shipping next door. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, my last one. Yes. this is a yes or no. Uh, will this be the year that I get into the Augusta national pro shop to do my shopping? Now my credit, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know that the immediate credential, at least in the past did not allow one into the members pro shop. Um, but will I find a way this year to get in there and get the limited edition alternative logo, which is a huge goal of mine. So I'm going to say yes. Thank you. And the, and the reason I'm going to say Just yes. Just for believing in me. Is because in order to pick a winner, I have to have a narrative. I have yeah. to be able to tell the story in my head. And here's what's going to happen. Throughout the course of your week, you're going to interact out near the tree yeah. with somebody that will have read your book. But the book is finally about America. It's not about Ireland. It's not yeah. about Scotland, yeah. right? It's not about anything else. And that book will have touched someone with a green jacket in a way with which they're going to approach you in such a manner that you'll feel comfortable enough to say, hey, it's always been my goal in life to just, can I have some piece of memorabilia that says ANGC on it? Mm. And that person's going to go, well, Tom, your book really resonated with me. Why don't you come with me? Right? Let's walk inside. You'll get to go in. He'll say, you know what? We can do this for 15, 20 minutes. It will be the most pressure packed 17 minutes of your life. Yeah. Right. Cause you'll want to look at every ounce, like you're in a Pine yeah. Valley golf shop or something like that. And, and just being in there is going to be a little bit overwhelming and you're going to find that one piece that's been waiting for you. And then I'll be wrong on the previous question because you won't spend any money in the merchandise tent because you'll yeah. have spent something there. Not a lot. Maybe the item that's that's key to you that really touches your heart in such a way that the book touched his. You grab it, spend your $50, $75, and you walk out. And then from there, you have just the you know most unwavering smile on your face for the remainder of your trip. And uh, all those... All those sandwiches become secondary at the end of the day. But I 
I, as a uh, prognosticator, can certainly see that story taking place. And you being the most appreciative author possible going through all of that, um, just uh, turning it into a, an absolutely um, best-selling story a couple of years from now. And um, just just a fantastic way to, uh, to culminate your, your master's experience this year. That's the happiest golf story I've ever heard. I could run from where I am now in, uh, where am I? South Carolina. I could run straight to Augusta right now, just fueled on the visions you've put in my head. Uh, that is, uh, man, I hope that happens. That would be really, really something. And I, and I look forward to calling you, you've calling you first, Keith, and telling you about it. And in fact, I'll get you something while I'm in there. All right. Get Maybe that was my goal all along. Maybe a ball marker. We'll see. Mm. We'll see how my bets are going. We'll see what I can afford. You know what I mean? Um, go Rory. And no, Keith, I can't thank you enough for the time and, and actually for the helpful insights. I know that um, this is your uh, this is your job. So throwing yes. out uh, uh, free tips here and there isn't necessarily <laughs> your business model, but uh, the Broken Tea Society appreciates it. And uh, And I think what you're doing is, I think like you said when we started off, that this is a way that we can bring more more eyeballs to golf. And if we're bringing more eyeballs to golf and we're doing it in a way that is, of course, responsible and entertaining for folks, um, why not? And, uh, you know, I wish you all the success with it. And I wish you the success tonight. Do you know, how is your, how is your, your player doing at the moment? Mm. Let's Do check in. Do what if you, yeah, what if we have a win right here live on the could, Golfer's Journal Could be podcast? a playoff. Could be. And then we would just sit here talking oh. about it for an hour. That's what the people want. Georgia Hall finished one shot back. <sighs> one shot back. She shot 67 today, and uh, she finished 14 under, and um, she shot 14 under for the weekend, and uh, she finished one shot back. So, and, folks, if uh, you can't, if you had, imagine if you had Georgia Hall, and if you can't stomach that right now, golf gambling might not be for you. But if you can say, hey, I was right there. And, you know, we'll give it a go next time, and we'll see what the Masters has to hold. Uh, but, Tom. always next week. You know what makes up for that in my mind? Right? You had a good sweat. You had fun. But more so than that, um, I look up to people like you in this industry who are truly innovators, you know, and are doing the things that matter most to them in order to get more people excited about the game. And that's why it's more popular than ever. And the fact that you've given me the time to help tell my story, whether I did a good job or not. It's, it just means the world to me. And uh, I, I can't thank you enough for the way that you write and tell your golf stories. And I can't thank you enough for uh, your candor uh, throughout all of this tonight. It's just so much fun. Keith, thank you. this was a blast. You're way too kind. Thank you for saying all those nice things. Um, and now I really feel like I have, I'm going to get you some merch <laughs> no. um, or just cash. Whatever it takes. No, um, um, no, you're the man, and and uh, keep those winners coming, and and good luck. Yeah, we can very appropriately say sign off with a uh, good luck, everybody. Have a great week at Augusta, Tom. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening, everyone. And if you enjoyed this episode, we strongly encourage you to become a member of the Golfer's Journal, or if you already are, to please share it with your friends. As a reader-supported publication, we couldn't do it without you. 
We also couldn't do it without the help of our partners, and they are Titleist, Scotty Cameron, Footjoy, Link Soul, Links and Kings, Charles Schwab, and BMW. We'll see you next time on the Golfer's Journal podcast. <laughs>